Now, before I get into the message, I want to talk about my watch. And it's not completely random. It's stream of consciousness, but not random. But I want to talk about my watch. I love this watch. And I had one just like it. And the, the band broke, and I fixed the band, and then Jake, my son, took it. This is solar-powered, and uh, so just typical lights and the sun keep it, the battery on, on high. Never had a problem from the time that I first got my other one. Never had a problem with, uh, there's always power, but it's connected to the atomic clock. Now, in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, there's a radio station that is called WWVB. And uh, so when you see the picture of it, it its range is a, about a 2,000-mile circle that it sends the, the atomic uh, cadence and beat all over North America. So when I'm in La Paz, Mexico, it picks up there. When I'm uh, in uh, Portland, Seattle, wherever, 2,000-mile radius, it's sending a signal. It's not a, it's not a, a powerful signal because it's at like 60 megahertz. So it's, it's a low signal, which means it can travel further. And I was reading that if you're careful at night, you can sometimes pick it up as far, you can pick it up in Hawaii, Honolulu, Hawaii, you can pick it up in Alaska. And the other day, so when it connects every night, it has a little picture of like a satellite and that tells me that it connected, and so I'll, I'll check. And oh, it connected right at, at, at uh, 12.04. And then, like this morning, it connected at like 3.04, because it takes a minute for all the signal to come and it adjusts. Uh, every, every day, my, my clock adjusts to boom, right on atomic time. And so my son was telling me, hey, Dad, he said, uh, I noticed that for a couple days I wasn't getting the satellite picture on, on mine. I said, yeah, Jake, because we're having heavy rains here, and the Lord knows what was going on th through the Rockies, and, and uh, inclement weather can disrupt the signal. I don't think it's so important I teach you about atomic watches, but I do think it's important that I teach you and talk to you about dialing in and receiving signal from God. Because for me, it's important that I connect with WWVB. They haven't sent me a birthday card yet or anything. I may be one of their bigger fans, but all of your clocks that are self-adjusting and watches, they're all connecting from WWVB. And uh, so when I'm in Hawaii, I'm going to try to see if I, if I can pick it up there. But you know, something that's been happening a good part of my life is when God apprehended me, whether I'm in Castro District of San Francisco, whether I'm in the midst of a Buddhist country, whether I'm in the midst of Ireland or in the former porno district of New York City called Times Square area, I try to know that I'm in contact with my father. It's important that I can hear his signal that I can be calibrated by the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus talked about true connection and false connection. He said this, he said, be careful that the light that's in you is not darkness, for how great is that darkness? And it's very important to me that I never enter into religious deception. Religious deception is one of the worst. It's like spiritual vertigo. You're swimming to the bottom of the pool trying to get out. It's so important that the signal is clear from God. He's a holy God. He doesn't want me to just choose my gender or my sexuality. He's assigned. It's assigned seating in the kingdom. Male and female created he them. He doesn't want me to choose that I don't need a marriage license because shacking up's okay if I really love this girl deeply in my heart. If you love her that deeply in the heart, then what's $75 for a marriage certificate? I'd spend a lot more than $75 on other things I love in my heart. And so what happens is when we don't hear the voice of God, and all of a sudden, we, we haven't checked to see if the satellite showed up on our watch. How many of you like my radio story, my watch story? $99 at Walmart if you want one. Wow. That's why I want to invite you to Revival Nights. This has been such a phenomenal time of prayer and fasting. What a, what a crazy thing fasting is. <laughs> there were some people in the church that were doing just juices. Other people were doing various creative forms of <laughs> Daniel fasting. But the Lord's been meeting with us. Because fasting and prayer is not us holding God hostage. It's us coming and saying, Lord, you know the time. You know the date. I just want to catch the signal. I just want to be adjusted because my times are in your hand. And you have wonderful, precious promises for me, for us, for them, for the earth, to all that will call on God. God's got a beautiful plan. But if we don't calibrate, we don't get to have it. It's been stated that the Christian life is not like a war. It is a war. This was made by Mario Murillo a number of years ago. Kim and I were listening to Mario, and he said that. He said, yeah, he said there's a deception that people will say the Christian life's like a war. But it's not. It is a war. How many of you have been saved one or more days in your life? Okay, get your hands up. I just hate it when, like, Christians will deny. You're a Christian. You've been saved one or more days. You're born of God. How many of you in that time, whether it's been the week, a week ago you got saved, you found there's resistance against your faith. There's a devil. So many people have, have come to the Lord and maybe they were like just, you know, eating meth and, 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 and all of a sudden, man, they're going to go straight. And it's like people just randomly, they, they were having to steal grandma's TV to buy their dope. And suddenly, when you try to serve the Lord, people are wanting to give it to you for free. Hey, dude, man, I just want to fix you up. 
People ask me, what dope did you ever do? I was a Christian kid. I wasn't a sinner like y'all. <laughs> Just a hypocrite and mean kid trying to frustrate kids in Bible drill. But I've heard that story so many times. Pastor, I got saved and man, someone's macking on me. People are trying to give me dope. It was like, what's Satan do? Don't get away. Come back in. Stay. It's, it's a war. Warfare is defined as an engagement in or the activities involved in war or conflict. Wow. If that isn't the case for sure, Adam and Eve had no idea of the warfare that was coming against them as Satan toyed with their mind and persuaded them to disobey Father God. I want to tell you something. Many, there's a new lie that's out there that if you suggest that Christians obey the Bible, you're a legalist. That's not what a legalist is. A legalist adds new commandments that aren't there. That's what legalism is. Taking what Jesus said and obeying that, that's called obedience. Read John 14, the John 14 trail from station to station. In my father's house are many mansions or places of abode. I go, you know, I go to prepare a place or a station for you that where I am, not where you are on the, on the pilgrimage and on the place. Because see, my station right now is coupled with my obedience to the, the word of the Lord. But see, the goal of God is not, I love you just the way you are, don't change. No, God is like a woman because he, they marry you to change you. You single guys, you idiots, quit lifting weights, just make money. That's where it ends up. And that's the way the Lord is. You know, I had double jeopardy. I married a woman and I've got God. Don't you just love me the way I are? Yeah, I love, I love my image and I'm going to conform you to that. How can you call God a narcissist? But that's what he said. I want all my babies to look just like me. Like George Foreman, they're all going to be named George, just different middle names. George Eliot believes that one. Anyway, <laughs> and so, so here we are and we're, we're, we're in a battle. And, and, and the devil's you know, toyed with Adam and Eve to disobey Father God. The consequences of that disobedience quote-unquote, the fall, has thrust God and his church into continual warfare that will be waged until Christ comes again and brings reward and judgment with him. Okay? Say this with me. I'd like to end the warfare. <laughs> Answer, <clears throat> nope. It's like one guy said about, he said, nobody gets off this planet alive. Nobody, there's two ways that this warfare ends. One is if, if Jesus splits the eastern sky and we see him come in clouds of glory. As he ascended, he will descend. And then it's going to be like, everybody out of the pool, rent is due. 
And we, even if you were one day before you would have died naturally, at that point when we see Jesus, we'll be changed in, in, a, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We will have passed from mortality to immortality, or we will face the natural grave. At that point, for the, for the believer, precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. And I believe they're met by Christ himself. Welcome, good and faithful servant. Many of our dear friends and loved ones have passed on, and I'm so bitter towards them. Their battle is over, and I wake up every day Because as a watchman over a lot of lives, I've got to first of all make sure, keep your eyes on your fries, baby, or the McBurglar's going to get them. Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. For in so doing, you'll save yourselves and those that hear you. And so I have to wake up and go, I don't have a lot of options. I need to stay really close to obedience because little eyes are following me. And I only see my respite from this battle is when you put me in a flip-top box. And I hope that somehow that I will have touched enough people to know we need eternal vigilance in the army of God. This is not like a war. This is a war, my friends. This is a war. It's a war. It's a war that Adam and Eve didn't try to pick, but they certainly got to be benefactors of the warfare, meaning they were crushed and destroyed. But God wanted to raise up willing subjects that will step up and stand in their generation and say, I've sworn my hand to the living God. I can do nothing else. I serve at the pleasure of the king. And if he tells you to hold the high ground, you hold the high ground. You don't look around. You hold the high ground until orders are changed from heaven. Man, I feel like I might feel like preaching today. In the fifth century, a Chinese general by the name of Sun Tzu wrote The Art of War. It was written for military leaders to teach them how to successfully wage warfare. For centuries, it has been seen as a leading volume on military strategy. The Bible is the disciples' equivalent to the art of war. The Bible equips us how to survive and overcome in this spiritual conflict. The Bible has remained the only successful volume to teach us how to successfully wage our war. The book of Psalms, as part of the Bible, teaches us specifically how to worship, and that worship is one of the weapons of our warfare. We're going to look at some scriptures about praise from Psalms. Psalms 149 is a praise slash warfare uh, portion. It says this from the ESV. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. I'm telling you, you come tonight... You're going to see all of these things. You're going to see people bowing. You're going to see people face down on the carpet. You're going to see people dancing. You're going to see people shouting. You're going to see people singing. And you know better yet, you're going to be one of them. 
you're going to find yourself in a Holy Spirit conga line. You know? How many of you know that we need to lighten up? We, we need to get back to biblical definition of what praise is. Praise is like party time because our God is the victor. There's singing, there's dancing, there's rejoicing. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. That's not the guy that tells big stories. That's not the lyre we're, we're playing here. This is L-Y-R-E. Okay. Uh, for the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the godly, excuse me, let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the judgment written. This is honor for all his godly ones. Praise the Lord. Now, understanding the Bible, you see that praise seems to be a definable thing. As we just read from Psalm 149. Uh, singing, dancing, playing a tambourine, uh, which we banned from joy. Just, it's, just, it's just terrible. It's just not, not good. Um, you know, uh, I think tambourine should be played in the mind and not, not physically. It's like, it's like me playing my harmonica, you know. Uh, someone asked me, do you take requests? I said, sure. And they said, we request you stop. And uh, so... <laughs> But this is definable, you know. Sing. How many of you know how, what singing is? How many of you know what dancing is? How many of you know what praising is, what clapping and all these things? Very, very uh, tangible things that we do in our body. But then the results are like, you're going, whoa, this dude, he, he twisted. All of a sudden, let the high praise of God be in our throats and two-edged sword in our hands to execute vengeance on the nations. And man, that sounds pretty weird. Like, are we supposed to like literally go out and like, I went to church at Joy and we were dancing and singing and I don't know who I'm supposed to knock down with this sword. <laughs> no, it's metaphoric. It's, it's symbolic language. It's speaking that, that, that over the nations and over the minds of people, there are all kinds of tr controlling agents. That when we're singing to God and, we, and every once in a while we do something here, I'll, I'll, we'll be in a praise thing and I'll go, let's give a mighty shout to God. Remember those times? And we all, the place is. I believe there's reverberations that tell the, the demons in this region and around the world. God's got a people that understand that you're a punk And that you're not pushing them around. They know what's up. And the king is up. And the king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's why in the middle of the madness of what can be our life and our existence temporarily. There was a gal named, or a guy named Bob Bennett years ago. He, he wrote a, a song called, In the Midness of This Madness I Am Dancing. I could just see David. What a, what a stud that guy was. You know, they're totally surrounded in, in, in Jordan, the little nation of Jordan. And Mike Heron was at the city where it was. 
And here's David, and he divides, he gets his two nephews with, or his two, yeah, nephews. He said, you go one way, Joab, you go another way, and I'll go away. And if God is for us. In other words, they looked surrounded. But I could see David from time to time, completely in what appeared to be vulnerability and personal jeopardy. Just dancing. Just dancing. There's nothing as to me as a, as a man and a warrior that's more awesome than to stare down an army and go, you guys got to be kidding. I'm dancing. I don't even know if I'm going to get through this message. I'm about in tears. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but we do fight against principalities and powers and spiritual darkness. This series is called the first series, and so we've been looking at what we need to do first. Well, you say, there's three things you want us to do first. It's kind of like a coach. Listen, I want you guys to remember that you need to block with power and, and, and on defense. We need to stick them when they're coming through the line we're going to tackle. And also, another first thing that you need to remember is don't lose heart. And another first thing, you're going, coach, you gave us 17 first things. Because that coach knows that, that in, a, in a sports contest, that you've got to have everything that just snaps your synapses in your brain. This is important. This is important. This is important. Is it first place? Yes, yeah, it's a shared first place. But we've been looking at some things that we need to do first because we're in the first part of the year and we're setting the tone for all of 2019. We're setting it right now. And by laying the foundations of, we've been studying the importance of the word in your life. How many of you say, man, the Bible is my, is my art of war for the Christian life? We've been talking about prayer. How many of you know that, that, that we need the word in prayer? God seeks worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. We need prayer, which is an aspect of the spirit. We need worship, which is another aspect of the spirit. But, the, but worship can be the one that we don't understand the most because many churches have made worship as like the preliminaries. That's kind of like the icebreaker. Wow, we got a groovy, sexy, uh, you know, we got a groovy, sexy uh, uh, worship band. We have Ginger Jesus leading worship here. I heard that was Luke's nickname at another church. <laughs> oh, I, but don't tell anyone because we don't want that getting out. How many of you like our worship band? I love them. But you know what I, why I love them? Because in the midst of their life, they're, they're dancing, looking at the enemies. I'll be led into worship by a guy that will dance in the face of opposition, problems, potential depression, discouragement. Wow. And so we, we, we look at those first, word, prayer, and worship. But today, we are caught into captivity of the mind of Miss Kim Schmelzer. Her world is organized in acrostics. 
you know. We get married, she said, our relationship will be defined by love, okay? L, leave me alone. O, uh, um, overcome and getting more money. V, uh, I don't know. But <laughs> so Kim, Kim gave me an acronym, which I think is a wonderful outline, uh, on warfare. Warfare spelled W-A-R-F-A-R-E. And so here are the points that we're going to look at. So at least you know when we hit eternity, <laughs> we'll be ready to quit the message. That's double entendre there. When we hit eternity, which means the sermon will never end. But anyway, uh, W, the, it's word-based. Worship is word-based. A, it's adoration-based. R, it's righteousness-based, his righteousness. It's faith-based. It's attack-based, it's reality-based, and it's eternity-based. And so the first thing that I want to do is to bring up how the, the, the Bible tells us how to worship God. You know, a lot of people are like, I just want to worship God in a way I feel comfortable. I just want to tell you that in a good relationship, you got married to actually lose some of your comfort. You know, I could just imagine if I, when I married Kim, you know, uh, you know, 10 years ago or, or longer, if, if I had just told her, you know, honey, you got the privilege of just, just doing everything I want. She's Sicilian, that means I would die. <laughs> Vito and, 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 and Guido would have had me, you know, in concrete, I'd been so nervous I'd supply my own water. And, uh, and, and, and I'd have been dropped in San Francisco Harbor. But a good relationship goes, what pleases you? What pleases you? And I want to do the best I can to come into agreement and, and, and do my best to please you. The Lord says, here's how I, I really like being approached. I like it when people do these things. And we see there are nine things that are, are listed uh, here uh, as the things that the Lord says. He said, use, use your voice. He said, sing, here's the three, shout and speak. Sometimes we speak our praise to God. That's what a testimony is. I just want to tell you guys what God's done for me. That's a form of worship. When I sing to the Lord, and I bless his holy name, sing a new song. Yeah. I'm bringing him what he actually asked. That's right. I'm not comfortable with giving God what he wants. I, he needs to adjust to me. I'm just not comfortable. Really. How many other things in our life will we be non-adjustable, unteachable in? If he's comfortable singing, I'm going to use my voice to sing. I'm going to shout to God with a voice of triumph. Hands, clapping is a form of worship, lifting our hands, playing instruments. We use our hands and then we use our posture or our body. We, we bow. There are times we'll sing a song about bowing down to God. And if you watch me, I'll go like this. Yes, Lord. Now at 63, if I get down on the floor, I need to do something else while I'm there. Because, you know... Bowing, standing, dancing. The second thing is it's adoration-based. Psalm 100 tells us we need to come into his, his gates and into his courts 
Uh, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. We need to adore him. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Now watch this. So many people think that prayer is complaint time. Well, Lord, thou knowest the sorry man that thou hast bountifully bestowed upon me. And I can't take it any longer, mighty saviorist. And God's going, oh God, Holy Spirit, there's another one of them. Mute. That's not how, how you please God. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be very honest. When I pray to God, I always have time to get to the comp I rebuke you, you guitar there. That bass guitar, there's a demon in it, obviously. Um, <laughs> I always have time for, for, for the, the needs and the always. But I've learned because I've read this so many times. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Lord, since I know you reign over all things, I know that the steps of a good man are ordered to the Lord. Whatever I'm walking through, I'm going to quote a scripture, it came to pass. <laughs> it's not coming to stay. So I'm going to talk to you about it. But right now, I just want to just tell you, Father, there's no one like you. Jesus, I can't believe what you did. Laying your life down for us. Lord, I just want to open up by coming into your gates with thanksgiving. And I want to enter your courts with praise because, Lord, even if it looks like it's not going well with me, I've looked and the world doesn't revolve about, around me, but it does you. And I know that as I trust you, you'll work everything out for me. So I'm going to take the time to lift you up and adore you. The next thing is that worship is righteousness-based. We're made righteous by the precious blood of Jesus. We must come before him with clean hands and a pure heart. David said in Psalm 119.7, I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. Moving on, the next one is F. It's faith-based. You may start in fear, anger, doubt, but you'll always arrive at faith because that's just how we roll. The just will live by faith. My righteous one will live by faith. And so we see here Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Now you understand how that crazy loon could dance in the middle of armies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Hey, all y'all, don't you worry. I'm having a dinner. I'm having, I'm having New York steak right now with the Father. And all the animals, they're surrounding David. David's the one that wrote these things. He said to an army, even if I'm attacked, I'll be confident. 
The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. How many of you would like a little workshop on this? Come back at six. We're going to have a workshop. We're going to practice praising God. We're going to practice dancing in the middle of those enemies that have thought they had you. Maybe that enemy of addiction. Maybe that, that enemy of, of uh, uh, relationship addiction. Got to have a guy. Got to have a girl. Doesn't matter who the guy is. Doesn't matter who the girl is. Got to have somebody. And all of a sudden, you're going to get you, the potential to be free. And in the middle of your enemies, you dance. And you sing and you rejoice because the Lord is there to overcome and give you a faith-based approach to your, wor- your worship. A, it's attack-based. <laughs> we see that there was a situation when a group of relatives were coming up to kill the righteous, which is not something that was new. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, we see a situation where there was a mighty mob of all relatives of Israel that were disenfranchised and bitter against Israel. There were the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Edomites. Moab and, 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 and Ammon came from Lot, and, and, and the Edomites came from Esau. And so here's your cousins coming with swords. A mighty multitude. Not new. Jacob was trying to get home back into Canaan, and all of a sudden Esau had a, a, a guard of 400 armed men for a peaceful connection with his brother. When 400 of you are angry and want to meet me at Starbucks, I'm doing drive through <laughs> And so we find that, that early on here, in, in, in chapter 20, verse 12, Jehoshaphat is saying this, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. How many have had times you didn't know what to do? You didn't know how to cure problems? This is a favorite prayer. We don't know how to stop this mob. We're powerless in our own strength. But my eyes are on you. I got to get that, that satellite signal. I got to know the communications are open because an answer is going to come. What a difference about nine verses can make. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21, and this will prove that praise and worship is a weapon. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, now, I don't know about you, but if I'm playing the flute, get back, you bad Edomites. I got my flute. (laughs) I really need a word from God to be, 
little drummer boy, you know? Hello? How about the Navy SEALs? How about a, a brigade of Marines or something? God says, oh no. You told me you didn't have power, but I'm going to show you how to unlock power you never even dreamed of. Send the praisers. Send the worshipers. Get those that have the heart of David that in the middle of the madness, they're going to be dancing. And watch what happens. He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. They went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to, to not only say, but they began to sing. And not only did they begin to sing, but in it they began to praise. Faith arose in their heart. When we sing to the Lord in the middle of the madness, when we can dance before God, there's a defiance and there's a strength. There's a vacuum. It's like a straw. It sucks up the power of God. And they began to sing and praise. The Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon. Moab and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Wow. If you read the rest of the chapter, it took them days to clean, pick up all the spoil. Because when guys went into war, they would, they would be like Mr. T and they'd have their gold and their jewels on them. Because guess what happens? You're, you're out to war and some other group comes in and they raid your house, take, take your women and your children and your, your gold and silver. So they wore it into battle. And the idea is you usually went into battle and you thought you could win. These guys were loaded up. We we're going to suck up Israel. And God said, hey, you prayed to me. You need help. I'm going to tell you how to get out of your big pit. Start sending the singers and the praisers. How many of you know worship is a weapon? Psalm 18, 31. For who is God except the Lord and who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. He sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. The next one is our, only two more to go, reality-based. Heaven touches earth. We don't have time to read it, but in Acts 16.25, two guys had a bitter surprise. Paul and Silas were led by God to go into Macedonia to Philippi. And they had some initial success. They had gone to the house of Lydia. And they had some favor there. But all of a sudden, they cast out a demon to help a girl that was demon-possessed. And they brought the funk down on them. And so now they're thrown in prison. They're beat bloody. And at midnight, these guys had some character. Their Christianity was not something they pasted on on weekends. And they began to sing praises. And it said, and the whole jail heard them. And when the earthquake happened, those prisoners knew this didn't just happen. And out of it came a great revival. The Philippian jailer was saved in his whole household. Wow. Heaven touches earth. How can 
Me praising God who's invisible, how can that change my job situation? How can that change that situation with my child who's in deep rebellion? You want me to get into a deep answer? And here it is, I don't know. I just know it works. It's been validated through scripture. We begin to praise God. We begin to thank God for that unsaved, that backslidden kid. And we begin to, in the middle of the madness, we're dancing and we see them praising God. We see them worshiping him again. We forgive them for the sin and the embarrassment they brought. It's not irrational. It's reality-based. Heaven will touch earth by praise. And finally, it's eternity-based. Heaven is filled with worshiping, winning disciples who cast their crowns at his throne. Revelation 5.13. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and, and under the sea and in the, and in the sea, they sang blessings and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and the Lamb forever and ev ever. So the question is, what will our response to this be? How about, let's acknowledge, one, there is a kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. Number two, there's an enemy. It's Satan. He's, he's all of your enemy and my enemy. It's not people around us. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against the seduction of our own soul into bitterness, into anger, into lust, into mammon. Satan's the enemy. There's a prize, the souls of men. We, 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 we war to focus that we will not lose our soul by the white noise out there. I've got to get the signal. And then as our soul is held in connection to the Lord, we can bring others in with us. And finally, there is a victory. His kingdom is eternal. Could we stand together real quickly? We put a little pledge up here, and it's one I want to follow. But I want to train you, you older people that don't understand text language. When something is in all caps, young people, what's that mean? Yeah, when people like send you some, a message in all up, upper caps, I write back, why are you yelling at me? But we're gonna yell at the end of this. We're going to yell, we win. But here's our pledge about picking up the third of the first. Word, prayer, worship. Say, say this with me. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, I will wage war using God's mighty weapons to see people set free and transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We win! Come on, let's shout a little bit. Hey! Yeah! Ho! <laughs> Hallelujah. Last thing, as we're preparing to leave, again, thank you for your patience. I, 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 I went longer, uh, like I did last week, the week before, and the other... <laughs> every other week I've ever preached here, you know. But week after week, people come here because church is a place that in many cases is the last place you go.
many people try to work their life and get things together and they're going, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to church. What if I go to church and it's just phony? If there's not really a God to meet me and I go to his house and, and it's not real, where do I go from there? Week after week, this morning already, we've had people that came to the kingdom. Coming to God is just simply this. He, he did all the heavy lifting. We don't have to die on the cross. Jesus did. He lived righteousness perfectly that we can enter into his righteousness. But what it does require is humility. Like when Jehoshaphat prayed, I have no might. We might have to say, God, I'm just sober enough to be here, but I've got such a problem. Or God, I've just blown up my marriage and I've hurt others. I need a new life. The Lord doesn't want to do a makeover on you. He wants to give you a brand new life. He wants to bring you into a new kingdom. We were born in the brotherhood of mankind, but we're born again into the brotherhood of God where the Father becomes our Father. So week after week, there are people that say, "God, say, Pastor Steve, I, I, I want to join God. That's all we ask. So right now, I'd like everyone to just bow your head and close your eyes so everyone can make a decision. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But I'd like every one of you that came here saying, man, I need, I need a new life. I need change. And, and I'm sure happy that God is real because I can feel him here. And I know he really loves me. And I want to join God. And I, I can't promise that I won't sin. I don't know. Because the Bible says that he'll live in you. He will be the strength to keep you from the sin that binds you. Every one of you that would like to join God right now, just lift your hand so I can acknowledge right now. Who's here and you want to join? I see hands up. I see at least three hands just on this section, four or five. I see six, seven, eight, nine. I see hands up all over the building. Today's a good day to, to know God. Today's a good day to know the Lord. I'd like us all to pray. I'd like us to pray to God. We're going to all ask Jesus. How many of you that are believers don't mind asking Jesus in every week? Because it's like, it's like renewing your vows. It's just great. I feel good every time I say to Jesus, take over. Amen. Pray this with me. Dear Father, I thank you that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to live the perfect life and to die to purchase every person on the world. Lord, that includes me. And today, Father, I want to be a brand new person, born into your family, born of the Holy Spirit, that I might know you, that I might be trained by you, that you, Lord, would teach me how to walk and how to live. I'm powerless to change my own life, but my eyes are on you. I ask you today, save me, God, 
Save me from sin. Save me from deception. Make me new on the inside. Change my heart. Change my mind. You said that whoever calls on your name would be saved. I'm calling on you now. Save me, Lord. You also said that whoever calls on your name shall not be ashamed. Take away my shame. Dear God, if you'll be my God, I'll be your servant. If you'll be my father, I'll be your child. I receive you this day. Dear Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. Hallelujah.